This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. We're chatting just Rachel and I today about Rachel's trip in late 2019 to Egypt, how the trip changed her life, what she learned, and how travel in general can impact us all. We hope you enjoy. Where should I start? I'm not really sure. It was, <laughs> it was just like the coolest thing I've ever, I've done. Mm, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Like I, it just, it made me feel like this is how I want my life to be. Is I want to travel to different places and experience different cultures, but not just at face value, like really get in there and like be digging into the history and the like read stuff beforehand. And I feel like I just go to places because I'm supposed to, and I haven't necessarily like done a lot of research ahead of time. And this was such a specific tour that I, in order for me to make the most of it, I wanted to make sure that I was like up to snuff in terms of some of the facts they were going to be throwing out. And so um, I guess I, do you even, did I, have I even told you what the trip was? You have, I mean, you've told me, you haven't told the podcast, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know what group you went through either. Okay. So, um, long story short, well, I flew into Cairo through Frankfurt. So you, I flew like, I think it's like 11 hours from LAX to Frankfurt. And then of course we had, um, pretzels in, well, we didn't have beer. We were going to, but we didn't. Um, so, and then you, we hopped on a flight to Cairo and then we stayed in Cairo for a few days, then flew into Luxor, then from Luxor took a Nile River boat cruise down through Edfu. I can't remember the other stop, um, but Edfu was like a main stop, and then Aswan, and then flew back up to Cairo and then came home. So um, we, my dad is really, he's a biomedical engineer and he's really into um, the, idea that a lot of the structures that exist in Egypt and in other parts of the world, but mostly centralized in Egypt around the pyramids, are actually these ancient structures built by ancient civilizations way older than um, our academic timeline of evolution that we have learned growing up traditionally. And so the, the tour that we were on was what was cool about it was that it was honoring the the dynastic era which is what like the prime time of Egypt was so hieroglyphics and um kind of when you think of you know typical Egyptian culture that's that um but it's a layer on top of an existing ancient society that had technology is more advanced than what we can even recreate today. And so it was really looking at it through the lens of these layering um, civilizations and inviting you to consider, us to consider that there have been civilizations around way longer than we would otherwise have said that they could be. Um, And truly it's, well... It's, it's weird for me to like explain it here without any context, without anyone having read it, because it's really easy to just go like, okay, it's a, con- you know, what can other conspiracies do you believe in? If the pyramids aren't tombs, then, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, the technology 
proves that, and like all these other facts, proves that they aren't just tombs, um, as well as many, many other sites that are out there. Um, it's really easy to go to a conspiracy place, but that's not what the dialogue was. It was truly like talking about the geology and the mason construction and the geometry that exists within these sites that's just like so unbelievably precise and thought out that a civilization that was supposed to be like building with bold, like little, they call them um, pounders, like rocks yeah. that can fit in your hands and like copper tools. There's no way that they could do this. Like they, they understood geometry. They understood design. They understood astro astronomy. Um, and all of these things are taken into consideration with these structures. And it's, is so fascinating. Um, yeah. So do they know how old the pyramids are? So I know no. nothing about this. So no. Ask questions. Otherwise I'm just going to like go down yeah. rabbit holes. But, um, so the, the answer is the academics would say that they, um, started, I, I might butcher this, but I think it's around like 3000 to 3500 BC. Um, basically the start of when Egypt began, um, or the dynastic era. And so that falls in line with what traditionalists or academics believe, um, happened, I think after the ice age, I'm still piecing. There's so many like different things to piece together. Um, but what other people, so they're called pseudoscientists, which isn't really fair, but that's, <laughs> they call them that, um, really what they are, are passionate people who have disciplines beyond Egyptology and anthropology and archaeology probably um who are like this is my field like masonry stone masonry or engineering or design these are my field this is my field and when i go to these structures it doesn't feel like what uh, a this could never be built the way that they're saying like copper would never be able to sustain against these like granite and these hard 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 stones mm -hmm. and so then it's these people with who are experts within their fields coming in and saying this is hold on a second this doesn't match up and so different people are starting to try and triangulate how old but some people are I mean as the oldest I've heard thrown out there is a hundred a hundred thousand years old um based on the erosion patterns that exist and then you got to go like okay well if the erosion patterns show a hundred thousand year old erosion then these things had to be built before that so it's crazy i mean it totally blows up your current idea of our civilization our evolution but again you like take a step back and i'm like okay, why would we just assume that on a planet that's 65 billion years old, that we would be the most advanced society that ever existed in that whole time, you know? Yeah. And so it just really starts to get you thinking, like what happened between, you know, Earth is born, like whatever happens yeah. um, at 65 billion, 65 million, I know there's dinosaurs pop in there somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Show up. Magic. And then like, yeah, and then like there's this blackout period, which I guess from an evolutionary standpoint, yeah, it would take a really long time. Um, but did it, did it 
take as long as we think. Um, And many with way more expertise than me um, believe that we are missing 100 to 130,000, maybe more worth of, you know, civilization data. So, yeah. That's really interesting. It's super interesting. And then you start adding in the stuff like Cairo is actually at the very center of the earth masses and it is on a spot across these energetic ley lines, which are energetic hubs that exist across the world. Um, And these ancient civilizations knew about these things. And when you plot out some of these um, incredible structures that exist within Egypt and beyond, they all line up on the same perimeter and like, it's just freaking insane. And then it's the same tool marks that you're seeing in Egypt that are unexplainable that they try to explain with these diorite pounders. Um, and I actually, I'll, we should post a photo of me using the diorite pounder on the True North Collective. Um, I'll send it to you. I have a boomerang. Um, but the, the um, same tool marks that are used in Egypt, they can be found in Peru. They can be found in, oh, I don't even know all the places. It's like, there's like all these global connections. And so when you're there, we had these four people guiding the tour from all these different disciplines, from Egyptologists to um, stonemasons to hieroglyphic experts um, to a guy who believes that the civilizations may have been giants. Um, just all coming at it from different angles, bringing different information. And it's just like, holy shit, this is such a cool conversation. So, yeah. How did you get in with this group? Was it like a, you buy your own flight and then you meet them there and then they organized everything you did? So my parents went to contact in the desert, which is, (laughs) it's been around for a long time, but it's getting a lot bigger. And they talk about everything from, I mean, there are conversations about aliens. This group specifically is not in the alien camp, or at least that's not the conversations we were having. Like they weren't posing, maybe aliens came down from the sky and did this. They were more so looking at the structures that exist and comparing it to the the technological capabilities that we have today and just saying like, hey, apple orange, like let's just call a spade a spade and at least create an opening for funding to happen to try and figure out what exactly was possible for them to be able to create these things. I mean, literally obelisks that are like, and statues that are, I'm going to get this wrong because I'm not an expert, but I, I want to say they're like, Oh, I wrote it down. I'm crazy tall, like super crazy tall out of like a single piece of red granite. Yeah, like, it's insane. Um, But anyway, so my parents went to Contact in the Desert, and it's a place where I'm actually going to go this year. I'm really excited. But it's a lot of just conversations around ancient technologies, sound. um, I mean, it's sound healing, but bigger than that. Like, how sound plays a role, sound resonance, how that plays a role in gravity, healing, what is it? We're all vibration, blah, blah, blah. Gaia is another conversation that they have. Um, what is that? So it's kind of, what's that? What's Gaia? Oh, um, I don't, I'm still learning, but I think okay. it's uh, the, I don't want to butcher it. I should okay. probably know. But 
I, I don't. So I'm not going to even. Okay, that's I'll, fair. I'll find I was like, should I know what this is? <laughs> um, but it's like just really cool conversations. My parents said that when they were there, it's like everybody just has questions and they're all coming at it from different places and people have different theories based on their experience, but all the theories are welcome. And it's not about like, oh, that you're dumb for thinking that. Like basically the the sentiment that exists within these conferences is any idea, even if it's like the craziest idea has merit on some level. And so let's be open to it because when you look at these structures, they were not created the way that we would create structures today. Like it's it's backwards the way that they did it. Like we just wouldn't build that way. And so in order for us to find an answer, we might have to look at it backwards. And so it's like, it, and that's the same on our trip. We had 25 people and we had a channeler, we had, um, you know, an engineer, we had a doctor, we had um, a, someone who worked in the legal system, we had a psychologist, uh, we had people who've been like in this conversation forever. We've had people like me who are really novice at it, um, but everybody's voice mattered. And so it, it was just a really cool experience. But anyways, my parents went to Contact in the Desert and they got exposed to some of these names who are leading these conversations, one of whom is Hugh Newman. And he's hilarious. He's from the UK. <laughs> and he created, or he's been, like, his company is called Megalithomania. And it's basically a group that is acknowledging and allowing people to visit all these megalithic structures that exist in the world and having a dialogue around, like, so he'll go and then he'll bring other, other um people who are within the field so that you can have kind of this array of voices there. Um, so my parents, when they were in contact in the desert, they originally wanted to go to his tour in Turkey because apparently there's these caves underneath Turkey that can house 10,000 people. And so, it's, and that's not the only one. They're like all over the place. And it's believed that like the great flood was an actual thing. And when it happened, or maybe even when an asteroid hit, I mean, literally this is like a can of worms, Sorry. But, <laughs> but like these ancient civilizations or civilizations that existed pre us, they were able to predict or thought they were able to predict some of these catastrophic things, or maybe they could see it coming, like something that was coming and they created these underground spaces to try and survive. Like, I don't know. So my parents originally were going to go to the Turkey one, but um, it's it was pretty dangerous when they were going to go. And so they were strongly advised not to. And so um, and then I think it might have gotten canceled as well. And so then they had all their money already invested in this trip. And as they were looking, they were like, well, you could put it towards a future trip. And my parents had always wanted to go to Egypt. And so um, they're like, let's do it. Screw it. Let's do it. And so they're like, do you guys want to go? And it was enough in advance that we were like, uh, yeah, I mean, we have to. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and so it was through megalithomania. And then they partnered with a group in Egypt, a, tra a tour um, agency called Soul of Egypt, who are freaking phenomenal. Um, and yeah, and then there was like 25 of us and then four guides and we went and 
again, like I don't want to minimize just the Egyptian heritage that exists there too. Like, I think it could have very easily been a tour where you just like ignored, um, cause the hieroglyphics are not considered to be part of the ancient civilization. And mm-hmm. so it could have been really easy for us to just be like, look past the hieroglyphics. That's just like, you know, within the last, you know, what is it? Four, five thousand yeah. years, but we didn't, we actually like honored that. And then you can see within the hieroglyphics that like the different, so there's the dynastic era. And then, um, at one point the Italian, the Roman, uh, Romans came in and then I can't remember who else. There's just like layers upon layers of like hieroglyphics that are scratched out and then rebranded almost. So it's like layers of graffiti on stuff. And, and so it's really interesting to just like honor all of it and be like, Oh my gosh. So just like how we do, you know, uh, I would say in America, we tend to be like, it's mine, you know, like I copyright (laughs) this. And it's like similar where like these civilizations were coming in and taking structures because they were now the people in power and like, putting their hieroglyphics (laughs) on it. And again, this would be pretty controversial to say within the Egyptian world, because how they date a lot of their things is if there was a hieroglyphic of a certain Pharaoh, then it was believed that that was built during that dynasty. And so, and that is like the, the believed infrastructure. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. And to just see so much prevalence of it. And it's like so obvious once you're there, you're just like, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't I... even have to take a word for it. It's like the seam joints in the stone are so close. You can't even fit a razor blade in. It's it, like the oh seam gosh. almost disappears in some points. Like, how the fuck do you do that? So... Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. I love, I feel like we can get so caught up in our own little worlds. And whenever I travel, and I think obviously for anyone, I mean, it can just open you up to so many things that you never considered, even knew about. It's just like, oh, there's all of these things that we just don't know, not only as individuals, but as society even. It's crazy. Well, and like, I just can't believe how much of my life I just was like, well, that's what my fifth grade teacher said. <laughs> yeah. But that's... That, and, and you can even like go to the sites. So the first day we land or we got there and we stayed at the Mena House, which is like where all the arche- famous, it's like the famous um, hotel where all the original archaeologists and like famous people used to be. So they have pictures of like these people from the, I don't, I'm like so, I literally people who listen to this and know anything about history are going to be like, she is a moron, but like forties and fifties, maybe thirties. Anyways, it's just these old years school ago. photos <laughs> years ago and they're so cool. And it's like, I mean, you do feel like Indiana Jones a little bit. And <laughs> I was like, I'm envisioning the mummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But anyways, we went there. So the first day, the Mena House is like, literally, you can walk to the pyramid from there. So we did. Or we walked to the Giza Plateau. 
which is where like the main pyramids that we all see. And there's three, there's nine of them actually. We all, I mean, before this, I was like the pyramid. <laughs> there's yeah. so many pyramids in Egypt and all around the world. But um, so we get there, we wander around. I We kind of know what we're looking for a little bit because we read some of the books. Um, Christopher Dunn, Giza Power Plant. That's like probably a place to start if anyone's interested in these alternative theories. Um, and you, you're walking around and then we went a few days later with the group and they're pointing this stuff out and you're just like, wow, I mean, I missed it. You miss stuff because it's like, when you have a certain perspective on something, you project it onto the world. And I know we've talked about that before, but it's like, I experienced that in like, so tangible, physical of like, if I hadn't been told these things, I would have absolutely missed it. And even when they were saying, you know, pointing stuff out and like, look at this, look at this. And then they'll be like, okay, now look at this statue. Do you notice anything? And you're like, come on, Bilotti, like notice it, notice it. What is it? Like, no, I don't. And then they're like, look right there, there's a drill hole. And it's like a freaking two inch diameter drill hole and you're like how the fuck did I miss that yeah. like just, you just like it's so easy to just I mean they're amazing in and of themselves that they they're breathtaking just as they are and you kind of it's easy to just kind of like well somebody else figured out how they did it so I get to be here but when the conversation is around like we actually don't know how this happened and our history is missing some things I don't know that was just like a way oh such a different way to experience a place because it's like we're all trying to figure it out together and like my dad's coming at it from like his biomedical engineering background and I'm coming at it more spiritually and sometimes they intersect and sometimes they don't and but we're all there curious together and like to me that's the essence of what I want humanity to be so it was pretty profound um that's cool I love I think it's also how how people learn to like I've been to places that are old and beautiful and you sometimes when it feels like someone's just telling you the story and it's like, here's everything that happened. Just listen. It doesn't like, it can have an impact, but maybe not as much as like when you feel like you're a part of the, the experience of yeah figuring it out or it is a mystery or we don't know everything. And like you said, it's kind of like a lot of times in history, we're just told these things and that's quote unquote truth. But we might even find out like when you're in fifth grade and you get taught something by the time you know, you're our age now, like what we knew then isn't even necessarily true anymore because people have figured out other things and we still, you know, we think we kind of know everything, but it's not true. And it's always presented to us sort of as like the truth, or it might just be a sliver of the truth, you know? Yeah. Well, even like, I mean, again, I'm so out of my depth when I say this, but my dad is talking to me about entanglement theory, which gets into quantum physics mm-hmm. and like I'm not even gonna claim that I but okay hear me out for a second so it's like even that start the conversation around quantum physics I believe started I mean Einstein was starting to question things 
definitely like the 50s, there were some conversations where it was like a thing. But anyone who isn't in that world, like me, okay, so we were raised going in school in like the 80s, 90s, 10s, Mm -hmm. right? But like, I, nothing, I don't know, it's like almost like if you're not in that world, you get served such a watered down version of something Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't relate to what you're doing. And so it's just like, I don't know, like I didn't even retain it anyways. And so even if they said something about quantum physics, the things that I was getting tested on were around, um, I I can't remember what, if they don't call it linear physics, but it's just like traditional physics um, where it's much more linear versus quantum physics is just like, this whole other thing um that flips it completely on its head and and so like where else in our lives were we just given a version that would allow us to be successful in the world that has been created because we didn't really need to know any more than that um i mean i was never interested in in history ever and since i've come back from egypt i am like so many things that I just could have cared less about, sadly. Um, I'm like, wait, now I actually really want to know about that because that's part of how we got to today and and got to, to, to a place today where a majority of the people are not paying attention to these glaring trends. Like, anom- they're not anomalies. Like, these glaring data points and we're just choosing not to look at them. And now I'm like, okay, how do you, how does this civilization get to a point where there's, where we are now just only taking in information that serves a story that we've had. And, and at what point does it actually shift? Because I know it can, I mean, it went from like, you know, everybody believing the earth was flat to everybody or majority of people believing the earth is round. I know that they're still flat earthers, but you know, like (laughs) mainstream, like, you know, how does it get to a point where mainstream flips and then, you know, things start to open up. So it's just so fascinating to me. Yeah, no, it's really cool. I mean, it's really cool. There's a lot of stuff you can connect that back to today of people believing things or not believing things. And I think in, society in general I feel I've been paying a lot more attention especially as I'm diving into a lot of the marketing work that I'm doing now of that same concept of when does the majority become the majority and um like what holds people back and a lot of it's fear obviously or they're just comfortable or they're scared of the unknown or whatever it may be um but I just I see that connection just to what you're talking about like there's so many topics but that the path of getting the majority on board and getting people to see what someone that tested something new or was just open-minded saw it takes a significant amount of time, but yeah. Well, even, I mean, to that point, like, you know, I'm in anything that we do. It's like, how do you, and without dishonoring it, right. It's not Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, shit on society because they, you know, just believed the... Like, no, no. And, like, that's what I meant. I I really appreciated that there was an honoring of the dynastic Egyptian culture because that is worth celebrating, too. They did some amazing things within that that's worthy of a conversation as well. Um, You know, and the evolution of 
like even who we are today, even though we might have blinders on in some capacities, like that's still worthy of a conversation and an interesting one. And as I'm getting into, you know, new things that I'm learning within the coaching field, it's a cool reminder for me to be acknowledging of what's existed before me, what currently exists with an openness that, you know, don't be too precious on what, you know, don't hinge so much on any one thing because what's the constant in the world has changed, you know? Yeah, and so it's like, exactly. how do you allow yourself to, to have enough of a foundation to be able to, you know, not just be like chasing a moving target so that you can actually like do something, make an impact while also allowing yourself to be open enough to evolve and shift gears, you know, um, it's just, it's more exciting to me. It's more exciting because it means that I will never stop learning and growing and that I can lean into one way of doing something until I, it doesn't work anymore. I don't know. I know that maybe sounds kind of crazy, but no, I mean, I think that makes sense because you do. I mean, you have to, at some point we could just think and think and think and never do anything. And obviously that's not going to work, but you can take action and you can be in the moment. And then in that moment, you're going to make decisions based off of the information you have. And sometimes at some point, the information you have is going to say, this isn't what I should be doing anymore. Like let's change it. Yeah. Well, and the other part to it too is it, it could be very easy. Well, our society has been built around this like human ego of like the humans are the most evolved species that ever existed. Right. Um, and, and then on the flip side, (laughs) because we're telling the narrative, (laughs) right. Because we're telling the narrative and we're curating the hell out of it. And, and, but then on the flip side, it can be, at least I found myself being like, Oh, these ancient civilizations, they had, they knew more than us. They created something that we can't even create today. They were more advanced, blah, blah, blah. But that's not entirely true either. Mm -hmm. It just means that they had a different way of looking at something. They may have been more advanced in, you know, creating pyramids and (laughs) stonework and things, you know, I mean, it's like these pyramids are insane. So like, I'm not going to belittle the the knowledge that they had and the wisdom that they had. And it doesn't mean that we have to like put our own selves down in a in in going after that idea. You know, it's like I had a therapist, the first therapist I ever had. She one of the most profound things she said to me was, "There's nobody better than you, and there's or you're not better or worse than anybody." And it kind of reminds me of the same thing. It's like our society, you know, is trying to hierarchy the evolution, you know, trying to create a hierarchy of the evolution. And I don't know if it really is. It's just a different, mm-hmm. it's just different. And so, you know, we may be advancing in, you know, whatever. And that civilization may have advanced in, you know, we advance in apples and they advance in oranges. And yeah. I love that idea. It's like, we don't have to be the best at everything. And if we can open up the dialogue that allows people to be in that space of innovation, man, what's possible? Like, have, have I talked to you about the West Germany thing? Did I tell you about that? 
No, I don't think so. so. It's probably in one of the books that I've read okay. preparing myself for Egypt, but they talk about um, in West Germany around World War II, there was like, I don't know, like a decade where um, West Germany was isolated from the rest of the world. And during that time, they advanced significantly in like lasers or something like that. Okay. And the rest of the world advanced. And again, I'm kind of um, butchering this, I'm sure, but my point is they advanced in some technology that the rest of the world was not focusing on. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the world was advancing in like, I don't know, astronomy or something like that. And, or nuclear energy. And when West Germany came back into the fold, let's say, what their society had done separate from the rest of the world was purely because of who was there, who was what the interest was, what the need was. And so they took it in a very different direction than the rest of, than the rest of the world did. And I like love that analogy of like what's possible when we don't force people to have to live within societal norms kind of. <laughs> well, well, it's like, I get it because yeah. it'd be chaos, but like, where's the freedom to allow people to like, you know, if you're interested in this, like, you know, go after it and see what happens because we never would have maybe their technology at our fingertips if that hadn't happened. And that's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love it. Um, so you had said to me, cause we didn't really get to talk too much about it. Like you maybe gave me like 10 minutes before we started recording a few days ago on the trip, but you said it was life changing do you want to, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've touched on that in this part of the conversation, but is there anything else that you're taking away from it that is, yeah. speaks to that life-changing? I mean, even, yeah, even beyond just the invitation to totally change my pre-existing construct of evolution yeah. <laughs> or of civilizations and what that could mean for me today as a human on this planet um, because I, it, it's given me a lot of permission. Um, okay. So two things stand out from a standpoint of like the specifics of the tour. When you go to the great pyramid, apparently all these different experts from different industries have gone into the pyramid and, you know, geometry, astronomy, uh, design, engineering, and every single one of them. I'm not naming them all, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, apparently, every single one of them has gone in and been like, this structure took into consideration my discipline. It has, if if a structure was going to take into consideration my discipline as like a, a knowledge, mm -hmm. it has taken it into consideration, um, which is wild to me. Like the circumference of the pyramid in relation to... Okay, the circumference of the pyramid is relational to the circumference of Earth, and the distance away from the base of the pyramid to the point of the pyramid is the same distance away as the Earth is to the moon. Like, what? just crazy shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, to the exact millimeter. Like, so precise. It's insane. And, and, like, there's tons of other things. Like, if this is all is piquing anyone's interest, like... Yeah. Go read the power plant. Like Go too read much it. for a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so just that um, 
the invitation for me to I'm a re- I have a rebel instinct and so the invitation that there is like this mystery and um I don't know that it's uh, there's more than just this this current human society yeah. um beyond just like you know hitting the ground with copper weird tools you know like <laughs> that's so cool to me like there's so yeah. much more here. um so that is how it was life changing in terms of just like opening me up to who I want to be and what perspective I want to have in terms of what I'm creating and what conversations I'm in. But then in terms of just meeting the Egyptian culture, it was phenomenal. I mean, a lot of people told me how unsafe I was going to be. And, you know, the, the government went through a major revolution Um Oh, let's see. Almost a decade ago, um, they went through some really tough times, and it is it is a, it is a third world country. And um, when we first got there, because everybody was like, "It's dangerous, it's dangerous," and then you go and it's a third world country. Um, I was a little bit like, I don't know what to expect, and. As we drove in, we had a car that picked us up from the airport and driving in, you drive on these highways and um, I don't know if you've ever seen videos of like driving in India, but it's just like there's no traffic lights or anything. No, same thing. It's like like, literally there's lines in the road, but nobody pays attention to that. (laughs) Like the, the Egyptian tourists who are leading us were like, you the rule the only rules on the road are like fill the gap that's pretty much it and (laughs) and the funniest thing is that so the roads are only meant to like hold like 400,000 people or 400,000 cars Mm -hmm. and they actually hold something like 2.4 million or something and they only have 28 accidents a month really it's crazy I mean I swear Dallas has like 28 accidents an hour like probably (laughs) And so it's like, you know, you, you get in here and you're like, it's overstimulated. It's the pollution's not that great. It's loud. People are crossing the roads, (laughs) these busy highways, highways, they're jam packed in the cars. There's there's, um, goats, horses, like (laughs) three car, three wheeled cars. And then, you know, uh, VW bugs. And it's just like, what? And then there's these buildings that aren't completed because um you don't have to pay taxes if the buildings aren't completed and so it's just like looks you're just like what and like there is I mean there is trash all over the place we were on the Giza side um when you get into Cairo proper it definitely cleans up quite a bit but but the people are like their doors are all open and when you meet them they're so friendly like the nicest people I mean not that I would expect them to be, I mean, I don't really know what I expected, but yeah. just like becoming friends with, um, you know, people along the way, it was like, I had a conversation with one guy about freedom and he's like, you know, we look at the United States or we have historically looked at the United States and thought like how free us is like, that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the dream. And he's like, and we now see that 
you guys aren't as free as it seems and not, you know, like it's different levels of freedom. Like they have freedoms that we don't have and we have freedoms that they don't have. Um, but there was just a genuine, like, or, um, over, uh, like at large, I just felt a sense of happiness and like ex- they were excited to meet people and share their culture and I just it was moving um it was absolutely moving and to come back and again I'm not trying to like shit on the United States by any means um but to come back and you know my parents live in a gated community and I came back and very quickly had to get back into the swing of things and it's like taking a minute to like recognize those differences. And I know I've heard from people before. I mean, even um, who did we have in season one? Um, Yeah. yeah, Hannah was saying the same thing. She's like, it came back. It was just like, I was depressed. And like, that's apparently a, a thing that happens. And I think I've just been processing and, you know, when I, I'm shopping for the holidays and I'm seeing people just like run into you and, you know, smile and they're like, they look at you like you're fucking weird. And, (laughs) you know, and it's like, oh man, don't we know how lucky we have it? I mean, on some levels and then on other levels. So anyways, I'm just, it was life-changing from like a cultural standpoint. It was life-changing from an intellectual standpoint, from a experiential standpoint, um, and then energetically too. It's just, it's known as a, a hotbed of like, it's, uh, it's, it's a space where you go places and it's very, very normal for people to just start break down, breaking down and crying um, because it's a, it's an energetic, whatever you want to believe. Um there it's a source it's an energy source that's very much connected to mother earth and it's moving and so yeah it's uh, it's so cool i can't like literally for the rest of my life i'm gonna continue to go on tours like this because i just the level of what i got from it far exceeded anything that i could have ever imagined yeah that's really cool yeah I'm curious yeah. in that conversation about freedom, what was the person's take on what they have that we don't have here when it comes to freedom? Do you remember the specifics or? This is the funny thing. It's like, because there's a language barrier and I don't know if this has ever happened to you in other places. I have a tendency <laughs> when I go places and this is how I was like in college too. Like I think we went to Mexico for um, spring break and all my friends you know, wine to drink and go to the bar. No, it wasn't college. We were in high school. This that's really <laughs> um and we went out and everybody else was just like, you know, have fun. And then at some point people were like, Where's Bilotti? Where's Bilotti? And I'm in the bathroom having a conversation with the lady who works in the bathroom. Because <laughs> yes, like people are so Bilotti. interesting. So that's like me. Yeah. And when I think about it, like I spoke a little bit of Spanish, but like nothing but we figured out how to talk, you know? Yeah. And when I was in Italy, I went and saw one of my aunt or my second, it's my dad's second cousin. So whatever, I basically call her an aunt, mm-hmm. but I didn't speak Italian. She didn't speak English. 
I do not remember not being able to communicate with her. And similarly, um, the conversation that I had, you know, I didn't speak any, um, any Egyptian. I, that's I not no the language. <laughs> oh, I'm a terrible person. Um, but they speak English, of course, which makes you just feel like such a, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't remember it being like, I just knew he was like, it was more of an understanding. We didn't, I didn't have to say like, what do you mean? Like, I was like, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, to me, what I interpreted it as, um, you know, they're, they don't necessarily have like have the same structures and societal expectations that we have here, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses and the, um, you know, having to follow the rules based on, you know, some existing structure, like they're kind of, I don't know, day to day. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. It's like, I don't know, in, in essence, there's like, I mean, take even just the, the driving, for example, like mm-hmm. they don't have, like, it's not like people are really getting pulled over all that much, you know? And yet, there's a freedom in how you figure out how to drive with 2.4 million other people. And, you know, everybody knows each other and there's like, I don't know, they're supporting one another. Like uh, one of our guides, I don't know. I I can't explain it. It just, it felt like we have freedom that come, we have a level of freedom that comes with money and, you know, privilege. And yet there are handcuffs in that as, Mm -hmm. and when you go there, they don't feel, I mean, you look and you're like, Oh, it's dirty. And the water is dirty. I mean, they can drink the water. They're fine because they're used to it, you know, and they don't have as like clean of toilets as us and like, whatever, whatever. But they're so happy and they're like connecting with one another and they're supporting one another. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's a different kind of like humanitarian freedom is like what it felt like to me. Um, and again, the guy I was talking to was like, don't get me wrong. Like there are, you know, Egypt has its fair share of like, you know, people doing stupid shit and bad shit. And, um, you know, we had to absolutely have armed guards at times, but I didn't feel unsafe. Um, and not because they were there. It was more so, it, you know, 25 obviously wealthy white people from across the world, not just the U.S., um, starts to draw attention. And so it can get kind of get chaotic. Um, and so they're there to just, like, make sure that a crowd doesn't draw and start to become, like, overwhelming or whatnot. So okay. I don't know if I answered your question at all. But um, I don't know. I just felt like I really was able to, like, connect through my heart um, well, I threw all, uh, all like mind, body, soul, heart, all of it. Yeah. With the, a society and the, and the history and maybe the other dimensions, if you want to go there. Yeah. That exists, that exists there. So, and bring it back with me. So, because there's places here that, um, are pretty magical. Ohio is like a hotbed. What? I didn't yep. know that. Sure is. <laughs> One of us. Yeah, so... I know we talked uh, about Sedona. 
Yeah, Sedona. Um, there's like a bunch of places in Arizona that, and again, whether it's the same, you know, civilization or not, there's just, there are some major dots that connect um, in terms of a society that understood for sure astronomy, for sure some like building. Um, uh, it's just, it's a, it's cool. Like I kind of, I feel like, I should leave it at that and anyone who's interested can start their own journey on it because it's half the fun is in being like what yeah <laughs> that's not possible and then it's like but there's proof that that is possible so well shit okay I'm gonna keep reading like right <laughs> you know so thanks for sharing yeah totally thanks great. for asking yeah of course I'm wanting to hear about it I um I definitely need a 2020 international trip because it's been a while since I've been out of the country other than Mexico, which is beautiful and I love it there, but I, I need something beyond that <laughs> yeah. for those exact reasons, to expand your horizons, to just see things differently. Where do you think you want to go? I really want to get back to Europe. Um, yeah. I think we talked about this because I've been learning German and I have a family in Germany um, because that's where my grandparents are from. And I would love to just be able to hit up pretty much all the German-speaking countries and then, I don't know, maybe hop a few other places if we go out there. Might as well do as much as we can. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I actually know there's family in Germany and then um, there's someone that I used to actually work out with in Milwaukee who lives in Brussels or just outside of Brussels now too. Um, so I'm like, okay, Fine. that's like sweet. So. I know. I Dylan and I got the itch. We were both just like, okay, this, we, it's like I studied abroad in Italy and it's, I'm like, oh yeah, like I travel. And then, you know, when I lived in Canada and I've been to Mexico, but really when I sat there I was like oh my god I studied abroad when I was in college and that was a really freaking long time ago and like I I was like whoa I just kind of like rode that the coattails of that for a very long time and I done like it's time to start seeing stuff and so Dylan and I are like okay we became friends with a guy who's from Glastonbury and so we want to go there and go to Stonehenge because that's where Hugh um, is from, which was the, yeah. And like see some of the, that, those things. Um, and then 2021, there's a tour to um, Peru, like Machu Picchu and like a few other things around there. You have to. The similar, similar thing is looking, viewing it through the lens of like, we have never recreated these things and why haven't we? And the, like literally the stonework is the same. And, um, so yeah, I'm super jazzed. Um, I think as long as my dad is alive, we will continue to do these things. And, um, I told my mom when he passes, I want to continue to do these things. Um, because I, I, my dad has, he's sick and um he doesn't really talk about it that much um because he doesn't want to like feed it Mm -hmm. um but I could kind of sense at the end of the trip that he was 
and he wouldn't have said this, but what I felt was that he was kind of coming to grips with the fact that he's facing, um, uh, this is a subject matter that he's very interested in. He loved to experience answers and he very, very well may not experience answers by the time he leaves this lifetime. Yeah. And that was really humbling for me to witness. Um, I don't know. You just like, I had never really sat to think about like the things that we're really passionate about. Sometimes we don't get to see them to fruition and that's a reality um, for a lot of people. And so, yeah, I'm, I was inspired like that to continue his legacy um, and the seeds that he planted in me that have, I mean, it literally has changed my outlook. Um, I would like to honor that essence by continuing to be in this conversation um, and continue to learn and be a part of it and support it. Because when we go on these trips, we're, we're helping fund researchers who are trying to change the conversation. Um, and that's pretty cool. Like most other trips you go to, you're just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like paying for food and drink. And like here we're, we're paying for these researchers to be able to, continue to do what they do um as, as that was really cool too it's like yeah it's cost a lot of money but I'm funding the conversation to continue happening so very cool let me know if you want to come with us uh yeah. it's super fun <laughs> okay I'm always whenever I know it's like I'm serious I will always go like invite yeah. me and I will figure out a way to be there because like <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna die one day, and I want to exactly. do. It. I want to do it all. Yeah, I agree with you too. Um, I traveled actually a ton as a kid and in college, because um, I studied abroad twice in college. And then growing up, my my oma and opa, my grandparents were um, huge into traveling, and so lucky to have them in our lives because they would just take the entire family, and we'd go on these trips. And I think my count. I think I've been to 20, 20 six different countries but most yeah, of them yeah. yeah I know but most of them were like when I was little which is amazing but I think about since really my last international trip was probably Japan which was my senior year of college other than Mexico and again I don't really can like Mexico counts but it doesn't count no it counts yeah I mean it counts but um and I'm like I keep asking myself I mean I've been doing a ton in the U.S. which has been cool because I realized I'd been to more countries than I have in states, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just like I yeah, I want to get out there. It's been too long. Yeah, it, it like time goes really fast, and then you're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, man, I studied abroad. Dude, we should travel together. Why we haven't should. we? I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, we kind of have. So have. Much fun. I mean, we, and like, you'd want to go. See... But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I, I mean, I just, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because like my brother and his girlfriend, you know, are pregnant and like, I. And you're an aunt. I'm an aunt. I think I could say that now, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like I'm not going to have kids and I know that. And I wasn't sure if when they had the kid, I was going to all of a sudden be like, oh, I fucked up. I really want kids. But I, I love the baby. Like I'm obsessed with her. And I'm obsessed with the idea of being an aunt. And, like, if I ever got pregnant, totally cool, great, awesome. But, like, I don't see 
that is not like my path. Yeah. Um, and you know, while I was getting clarity on that, I had asked Dylan, well, if we're not having kids, then what the fuck are we doing for the next 70 years? <laughs> like, and he was like, we get to explore the world. And I'm like, and you know, I, I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. And then going on this trip, I was just like, oh my God, like this is yep. my dream life. Like, and I get to go to Ragnar and like push my body to run up mountains with other humans who want to do the same thing. And then I get to go to these other countries and go on trips where we get to have intellectually, spiritually, you know, all the things stimulated conversations with other people from across, you know, cause our tour group included Aussies, South Africans, um, uh, Scotsmen, <laughs> Scots people, uh, yeah. you know, like all, all over the place. And you get to just like learn all these different aspects of things. And I'm like, that's a cool fucking life. And not that having a kid, having kids is not also a cool freaking life. Yeah. Like it absolutely is. Um, but without that, um, without choosing that experience for myself, I, it kind of, I was like, man, am I just coasting? Like, what am I doing? Um, but I'm so excited to be able to just do all the things. And again, not that people with kids can't do that. But yeah. I always, I mean, I still don't know exactly if I want a family, but if I do, I've always thought how cool would it be to have a kid and rather than having them go through a traditional school system, like take them on these adventures, you know? Like, I know people that sail around the world with their kids. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. you will, like, forget about the rest. Like, you can do online courses for yeah. math and, like, whatever. You know what I mean? But you yeah. can't like, – when I was younger, I think I was third – or no, I was in high school. Um, kind of like you were saying, um, are you familiar – well, and you've been in Italy, so are you familiar with Pompeii? Yes. With the volcano, yep. So like, yeah. I remember learning about that, reading books about it in school, and when we were in high school, we actually went there. And I mean, like, obviously, you can't even imagine the comparison of reading a book in school compared yeah. to, like, actually being there and how much more valuable and how much, like, how much I cared more, <laughs> you know, than, like, what you actually yeah. just learned in school. I, it's, you know, it's, I would just love to be able to, to raise little human in that way where you're teaching them and and getting them to appreciate what they have too because like you said there's there's things that you can appreciate in any society that other you know cultures have that we don't or that we have and they don't but to be able to at a young age acknowledge that those things are out there that people are living differently than you whether you know good or bad depending on your perspective but it's out there um that how you are isn't just like the only way that people live. I think that's really yeah. just like a lesson that can't really be taught in yeah. school. Like it can, but it, it hits you harder and faster. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would actually love to go to uh, Asia with you. Like I would love to, cause I know you've like kind of been there and you kind of can speak it. And like, I just, 
I don't know. I think it would be so fun. Well, I will tell you, I don't remember any Japanese anymore. I remember oh, Hosea okay. Watashi well, Watashi 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 yeah, and I think I can still count to 10 in Japanese, and that's pretty much all I've retained. <laughs> but, but yes, Asia, is, yeah, I would love. There's so many places. That's what I mean, just like so many places to explore. Yeah, totally. I'm here for it. Cool. I love it. All right. How about um, if <laughs> I'll ask you the questions we always ask our guests, if people want to yeah. know kind of more about your... I won't even say, well, we'll say more about your Egypt trip, but more so if they want to have an experience like that or if they want to um, get some resources if they're looking to yeah. do a trip. Yeah. I'll share them, but summarize them here. So for Egypt, so specifically for the trip that I went on, um, okay, there's a few different resources. Megalithomania, if you're at all interested in the ancient te- or the technologies of ancient civilizations and that conversation um check them out um i'll put it in the show notes they do tours all over the place constantly um so just plug into one of those um contact in the desert would be a great place to start to just start to acclimate to this world and then i can put a few books in honestly my recommendation would be start with um christopher dunn's the Giza power plant. And then the other book that I read was, um, Oh, I can't remember his first name, but Childress is his last name and it's ancient technologies of the gods. And those two books kind of gave me a really nice foundation. Um, but some of the other names of people are Graham Hancock. Um, Hugh Newman has some books. Uh, I'll grab a few others and I'll throw them in the show notes. If you're interested in an Egypt tour, but maybe not so much megalithomania, um, soul of Egypt, they actually create curated, uh, tours. And so you can call them and be like, we're going to be there for this many days. We really want to see these sites and they will like put it all together for you. And they are amazing. So I'll put a link to, to their information as well. And then if anyone was interested in talking to me about my experience or, has any questions about megalithomania or soul of Egypt from my perspective, um, Instagram is the best place to reach me. Uh, it's at rachel.bilotti and, um, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. Um, yeah, some of the stuff that I read around getting prepared to go to a country that has, you know, restrictions in terms of like how you should act in public or how you should dress, um, weren't totally accurate in my opinion. And so, um, I can certainly provide some updated information based on my own experience in terms of what I think, um, you could get away with or, you know, all that stuff. So those are the main resources that I'd throw out there and I'll put them all in the show notes for you guys. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. Rachel. Thanks for letting no me, uh, sort of host your your experience not that I did much but <laughs> for yeah, sharing no, with me. it's helpful because there's so much to unpack that yeah. like when people ask me like how was Egypt I'm like, like wow. oh fucking a that is such a loaded <laughs> question I like it was great and let's go you do have like a full day to like <laughs> and if you're not interested in what I'm saying then don't make yeah. it a full day but if you are it can take 
I mean, the rest of your life to start digging yeah. into this stuff. So, yeah, I feel like it's also something you can share your experience, but like you were saying, you you almost have to go through that experience on your own to really yeah. appreciate everything it is. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for. Yeah, totally. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Otherwise, we will see you all next time.